it might feel like to a user that they're seeing ads that are much more personalized, but that doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, the machine has to know a whole lot of specific private attributes of that, of that user. Welcome to the Media Leader Podcast. I'm Jack Benjamin. This week is Advertising Week in New York City, and while we don't have boots on the ground this year, we still made sure to keep in touch with contacts across the pond. Earlier this week, I spoke to Jeremy Arditi, the co-CEO of the ad platform Teeds, to unpack some of the biggest announcements they unveiled this week. The company announced new AI-powered tools for advertisers, as well as an expansion of its CTV offering into the Asia-Pacific region. Both topics, that is AI and CTV, have been hot topics around the industry this year as major areas of growth and expansion. I asked Jeremy about how they are deploying generative AI and machine learning to enhance their products, as well as the implications around using AI on privacy and creative more broadly. We also discussed how Teed's move into CTV was organic despite the company's roots in digital display advertising. This is that conversation. I hope you enjoy. Well, uh, Jeremy, uh, thanks so much for, for joining me. I know you guys are making a bunch of announcements this week at Ad Week. I'm curious, quite a few of them have to do around with expanding, especially in CTV. And I think I was really curious about, because I know that Teeds was founded uh, primarily as, as you know, video within a digital experience that you, know, you could advertise in a, in a standard web page, let's say. But you guys have been moving into CTV for a little while now. And I'm curious to know the strategy. Maybe you could just take me back to when you decided CTV is going to be that, that sort of next space that we really want to jump into and, and what the strategy was going to be and, and how it's maybe changed over time. Sure. First of all, thanks a lot for having me, Jack, and, and happy to uh, unpack our strategy in CTV a little bit more. Um, as you mentioned, we really got started in the video advertising business when we started the company more than a decade ago. So for us, the expansion into CTV was a very organic and natural one, uh, given we were focused primarily in mobile and desktop experiences historically. But the publishers that we work with, uh, many of them had been expanding their own footprints from, say, mobile apps into CTV apps. Uh, some of them are also streamers that we worked with uh, on some of their you know, mobile experiences, for example, but now also connected TV. So from an inventory and supply partnership side, it was a very natural extension for us, uh, just as it was from a you know, advertiser and agency partnership standpoint. Uh, we historically were you know, 100% business, 100% video business. And as we, you know, kind of diversified into a few other areas, um, video always stayed the, the mainstay of the, the business and the solutions that we would bring to advertisers and agencies. And so we were seeing a lot of natural demand from our existing customers uh, to expand the campaigns that they were buying from us uh, on mobile and desktop into the connected TV screens. What's a little bit different is the the type of experience, right? We were we've been known in the uh, digital side of things, the mobile desktop, to be very focused on you know, editorial text based uh, publisher partnerships and, and ad experiences. Right? We serve ads primarily in 
article environments. Uh, and in the CTV space, well, we've evolved to sort of ads, uh, primarily in video-based environments, right? So much more of a classic uh, in-stream or pre-roll, mid-roll type experience or, or TV-like experience. Um, it's also it's also been an important expansion for us to to continue to ensure that we're providing, you know, mass reach uh, within high-quality environments. It's been a fundamental, you know, tenet of ours uh, and of the value proposition that our platform brings to advertisers. And uh, naturally, we want to help them use our platform to reach users where they are, so long as that's you know within high-quality environments and. CTV lends itself beautifully to that. Mm. I'm curious how you're able to leverage some of the data that you guys have, you know, you collect through user experience online and then apply that to the CTV setting because presumably, I mean, you would, you'd have access to all of that type of audience data. Would you, how would you describe um, the, the use of display, let's say, data onto CTV for advertisers that want to target based on user interests that maybe other ad tools might not be able to have all of the same type of wealth of data that you guys have. Sure. So one of the things that we've gotten really good at over the years is understanding the correlation between the types of content that people consume, historically more in article environments, and how that correlates to purchase intent signals or appetite for you know certain types of products or services, and we're able to begin to kind of parlay some of that understanding uh, into the CTV environment and really help advertisers target specific categories of content or specific patterns <clears throat> of um, content consumption within connected TVs and uh, use some of the understanding that we've built in terms of the correlations to uh, purchasing behaviors. We're also using you know, a lot of that, uh, what we call contextual intelligence to not just uh, hope that it works, but really measure uh, whether it works and look at the correlation between exposures on a connected TV ad uh, to increases in website traffic or website actions. And so the two uh, coexist really well in a, in a symbiotic way. Mm. Um, I, I know that with this digital display advertising, it's, it's very it's lucrative, but it's also kind of full of a lot of issues um, that have especially been highlighted recent years. Uh, think of you know, the, the PwC ISBO report. Um, you know, there are concerns around ad fraud, around wastage, or even just how much frequency uh, a given publisher decides or, or feels they have to put on a page um, of the amount of uh, advertising. I'm curious how uh, you're looking to, you know, if you're moving into the CTV space, how you're looking to make sure that some of those issues that might occur online aren't also going to crop up then in, in CTV. I mean, what kind of steps are you taking to, to handle that transition in a different medium? Yeah, I, look, I think first of all, it, it starts with choosing a lot of the right partners on the supply front, right? So our, our platform directly connects to uh, whether it's you know, streaming apps or, or fast apps or some of the OEMs. We now, we now work with the four largest OEMs on the planet uh, who all have you know, their own CTV inventory. 
So I think starting with a highly curated process and, and selection process of who you work with and having a direct supply path to those supply partners is a really important part of the equation. In the CTV space, just like uh, in the you know mobile desktop space, we don't connect to other third-party SSPs. We you know pride ourselves a lot in connecting directly to, to the supply, which helps us get a very high level of control where we're helping you know, customers distribute ads. Uh, that's an important piece, but it's not the only piece. You know, we have done a lot of our own work uh, over the years including in CTV, on uh, detecting fraudulent behavior uh, of potential advertising and, and flagging that uh, if we ever see it, and partnering with some of the leading companies in, in verification. I think uh, that's been you know always an important part for us. Uh, we've really been focused on ensuring that we're delivering advertising that leads to outcomes. And obviously, we know that... Uh, if, if it's a low quality impression or there's not a human behind it, obviously not gonna, doesn't even have the potential to deliver an outcome. So it's an area that we're, we've been highly focused on and we've been trying to solve through the different steps that I just laid out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it's working with the, the, the higher quality, the, the publisher, the more premium the space, the, the better it does for just about everyone, uh, sounds like. Yeah, I, th I, think that's, I think that's certainly the right foundation to, to start with. And, you know, I don't just say that because that's how we do it. I think that's important for the, the broader ecosystem. Mm. Um, so, so something else that you're uh, announcing this week or, or uh, have announced by the time that this goes live. I mean, uh, AI has been a really big buzzword this year, um, and you're announcing quite a few tools that are AI powered. Um, I guess, can you tell me in your own words what that actually means? Because AI powered could mean a lot of different things. So uh, why don't you uh, introduce some of those uh, uh new announcements, I guess, to us. And then I can ask a few questions about after. Sure. Yeah, I'll try not to get too bogged down in the specific flavors of AI or different types of technologies, although we can go there if you, if you want. I think the way we think about it, first and foremost, is how AI can be applied to the different steps of the value chain in, in digital advertising or connected TV advertising. And at the most fundamental and most simplistic level, if you think about the activities that as an advertising industry were engaged in, uh, and particularly if you look at it from sort of an advertiser perspective, you have to do three things. You have to make an ad, you have to place that ad somewhere, and you have to measure whether it worked. And we are applying AI, different types of AI, to each of those processes. Um, in some cases, it's leveraging some of the newer generative AI technologies. In others, it's more machine learning based and things that we've been doing for almost a decade now. Um, one of the things that we're announcing today is uh, the AI, it's AI Creative Lab, where we can uh, work with an advertiser who simply just gives us a URL of, a, say, a product page on their own website. And from that URL, we will generate in a matter of about two seconds, you know, roughly 10 different ad variations, uh, including you know, images, including uh, text uh, and the copy, 
suggesting additional copy uh, using uh, LLMs, large language models, um, and helping an advertiser really determine uh, or really accelerate rather the, the pace at which they can do you know, creative origination and creative versioning. Um, so that's one of the ways in which we're helping advertisers you know, make ads using AI. We have also been uh, really focused on applying our machine learning capabilities, another branch of AI, towards helping advertisers deliver conversions, online conversions. And so one of the things that we are coming out of beta with uh, today is uh, our Teats Conversion Solutions, which is really rooted in driving sort of cost per action style advertising in digital environments, but also leveraging some of our TTV inventory as well. Those are a couple of the, the flavors of the things that we're announcing today. All of those uh, very uh, uh, deeply rooted in, in AI. Mm. It's a bit like, uh, I suppose, Mad Men. If, if Mad Men were, were to be a show based in 2023, the amount of time in between coming up with the copy uh, would be dramatically reduced such that the episodes would last about 15 minutes long. <laughs> yeah, it wouldn't make for very good... Uh... TV viewing necessarily. <laughs> I'm curious. I mean, it, it's it's fascinating technology, obviously, and and uh, I, I know you're not the only company that that's been looking into AI products to help with, especially creative generation and, and copy generation. Um, I'm curious from a from a privacy aspect. You know, you guys have a ton of user data on what users are doing on the web. I feel like it's one thing to perhaps, uh, at least just from a consumer perspective, so talking to myself, it's one thing to take that data, give it to an advertiser and say, okay, let's come up with the best way maybe to appeal to them. But to add in that layer of this uh, uh, somewhat less of a human element and to say, well, a computer can tell you, not only can, I, can only tell you what you like, but it can also then sell you something that you, that you like uh, without much human input. I mean... How are you guys working to protect user privacy with not just you know what you've always been doing, but then with this added artificial intelligence element? And the same goes for you know copyright and all these other issues around uh, how AI is being used for creative purposes. Sure. Well, there are a lot of issues to unpack, probably beyond the scope of of uh, our time together. But um, I, I will tell you this: I, I, we have been focused on privacy uh, as, a, as an important cornerstone in how you know, we operate as a business and part of our broader approach to responsible media and responsible advertising for, for a long time. I would say we certainly accelerated those efforts uh, around the advent of GDPR. Uh, being a originally you know, European company, we, we were very early to the game. Uh, in proactive ahead of the GDPR and thinking about you know privacy implications, I think that the benefits of AI specifically when it comes to um, you know privacy is that it can leverage a lot of signals that are anonymized signals uh, to infer things about what a user may likely respond to in terms of an ad um, without having to know a whole lot about who that person actually is. Um, you know, when you combine all of the different signals and parameters 
that an AI model or a machine learning model knows how to leverage. You don't need to know many of the, the actual attributes of that individual. You don't need necessarily need to know what their age and gender is, um, but you can look a lot of, at a lot of their behavioral signals and how they consume content um, and make predictions that are often quite accurate about what they are likely to respond to or likely not to respond to. And so in some ways, um, AI can help us actually bring a, a little additional level of anonymization into digital advertising. Now, it also helps create, you know, in, in the Gen AI space, a lot of uh, ver different creative versions at scale in a very easy and automated way. And so it might feel like to a user um, that they're seeing ads that are much more personalized. And, but that doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, the machine has to know a whole lot of specific attributes and specific sort of private attributes of that, of that user. Mm -hmm. Essentially becoming uh, so much more efficient at guessing what a person right. would respond to as opposed to actually needing to know all the information about. That's right. Them. Yeah. Um, well, so, I mean, it's absolutely fascinating. Um, certainly anyone that, that receives a, a targeted ad, which is pretty much everyone, unless you live without a computer these days, uh, has had that feeling of like, uh, I'm pretty sure the microphone must be on or you know, something. Yeah, Definitely. <laughs> um, speaking, you mentioned GDPR. I mean, we're moving to a post-cookie world. It's been a really slow uh, journey, I think. Lots of delays over the past few years. Um, but supposedly that's coming to a head soon. I'm curious from your perspective what advertisers and publishers should be knowing about their data to make that switch as easy as possible. And, and what, what types of things should they be looking at right now if they haven't already been? Yeah, so, so look, 2024 is likely to potentially be, finally be the, uh, the year of, of Cookulus. Um, in some respects, in, in many other respects, sort of Cookulus is already much, very much a, a reality. Given, you know, the, the market share of browsers that already don't allow third-party cookies, you know, i.e. Safari is, is not very high, in particular in markets like the U.S., uh, what I think advertisers and publishers that are not actively engaged in, in, already in this process need to be doing is, is really just start to test a whole lot of uh, alternative targeting strategies uh, and alternative monetization strategies in the case of publishers. But from an advertiser perspective, there are lots of really attractive things that can be done you know, with contextual advertising, that's you know one of our core strengths at, at Teeds, and um, building you know the the testing framework to basically understand how a, a brand's ads is going to are going to perform, you know, come the the day that uh, third party cookies are no longer available. Uh, what we have seen over the last several years of bringing a lot of technology in, in enabling uh, advertisers to test and target and plan uh, and measure without the need for third-party cookies is we've seen that we've been able to drive similar or better results uh, in, in cookie-less environments than what we observe in cookie-based environments. So that's very, very encouraging for us. 
Uh, we've also, from a publisher perspective, been able to deliver the same types of monetization, you know, meaning similar CPMs uh, to publishers without third-party cookies than uh, we do with third-party cookies, which is also very encouraging from a publisher perspective. Now, part of that is is down to the fact that we're an end-to-end platform and we have you know code on publisher pages that allows us to you know, derive really interesting signals. And um, because we're delivering great results for advertisers, we're able to you know, maintain higher CPMs for publishers. So it's kind of a, a virtuous uh, circle. But ultimately, if I had to boil it down to you know, one word for advertisers to and publishers to be ready for this transition. It's really to start, you know, start testing now. I'm curious, we only got a a little bit of time left, but something that we're wanting to ask uh, everyone that that comes on the podcast, but certainly like, you know, leaders in the industry is uh, what makes you passionate about media? You know, why did you get involved in the first place and what keeps you here with it? Uh, what do you love about this industry? What do you feel uh, really strongly about? Uh, and why do you, basically, why do you like your job? <laughs> uh, there are a lot of reasons why I like my job. Um, I'll try to focus on some of the things that are kind of broader industry related rather than, than specifics to, to, to the company and, and the amazing people that I work with. But look, I, I think, first of all, the technology aspect to the industry is, is fascinating for me. It's we are constantly on our toes. We cannot be complacent as an industry, given all of these uh, constant sort of, you know, reshuffling of the cards, um, whether it's through technology or technology regulation. There is there's always something uh, new and exciting and challenging for us to, to be focused on. I also think that funded, there's a higher purpose also in media. Uh, funding high quality content, funding quality journalism, it has a plays a really really important role in society, and um, that's one of the sort of higher purpose aspects of this industry, which sometimes um, is is uh, easy to ignore, but I think is, is fundamentally very important. Mm. Well, I, I talk to publishers all the time, and. and- Trust me, they say the same thing, uh, <laughs> to the surprise of no one. But uh, it's absolutely true, and uh, that's also part of the reason why I personally uh, am involved in the media and supporting good journalism. Um, so anyway, thanks so much, um, Jeremy. I know we're, uh, we're, we're nearly out of time, uh, so I just wanted to say thanks. I hope you have a really good week in New York. Um, uh, hope all the announcements go well as well. Thanks, Jack. It's been a real pleasure to be on. Thank you for listening to the Media Leader Podcast. This episode was edited by our production partners, Trisonic. You can find and listen to all our episodes on our website at themedialeader.co.uk or wherever you get your podcasts. But just remember, please do subscribe to be notified when we release our next episode. From all of us at The Media Leader, I'm editor Omar Oaks. Our executive producer is Jack Benjamin. See you next time.